Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of the Woke Bros, of course. I'm your co-host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wosni Lambre. Joined, mm. as always, by my brother, fresh out of Mexico City. He's back in Los Angeles. This guy only does the best of the best. Mexico City, one of the greatest cities in the entire world. No doubt about it. Back like he never left. Nando Vila, what's going on, brother? I almost didn't make it because I was on my way back to the airport in Mexico City. And as you know, in Mexico City, there's a ton of traffic. And as I was getting to the airport, the traffic, the the time estimate just kept on going up on the GPS. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Turns out there was a fucking protest in the airport. They shut down the entrance of the wow. airport. It caused like this ridiculous traffic jam. I had to get out in the highway and run. Wow. Like on the side of the highway up the air- airport on ramp. Uh, and then I barely, I barely made my fight, but I, I'm here and, uh, I'm feeling fresh and ready to go. All right. Well, you know, we all about the work of solidarity here at the woke bros. So, you know, even though Nando almost missed his plane, we got to keep it consistent and be down with the workers, even when it minorly inconveniences us, uh, on today's show, the good folks at Jacobin mag in conjunction with YouGov as well as an organization called the Center for Working Class Politics, which is, um, they commissioned anyway. That's a, The Center for Working Class Politics is a sort of left-wing uh, think tank committed to research and stuff related to shit that affects the working class. Um, basically, them, Jacobin Mag, as well as YouGov, put together what they're calling an experimental study, the first of its kind, uh, where, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out politics can offer a new and positive, powerful perspective on the working class. Um, that was a word salad, but you get what I'm saying. Like they're basically studying (laughs) the voting habits and preferences of working class people. Um, and their findings, Nando, I gotta say, I wasn't surprised. No. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't at all surprised. What they basically did were they asked they sprayed a bunch of blue collar type of workers from a bunch of swing states. I think what was the total they said Nando 2000? It's like 2000 people, which is like a, a more than right. your typical uh polling thing would do. Like your pew poll you know, specific- would do. Right. Yeah, because they would just get every a, a sample of everyone or whatever, and this is like just this just folky, working class people, you know. So, uh, yeah, that's why it's it's kind of experimental. And what they did was they peppered them with, you know, uh, some of the some of the talking points of the different political coalitions. They didn't say like, yo, this is the Republican or this is the Democrat or this is the whoever it might be. They just gave them what generally is the talking points of, you know, say you're woke progressive or you're populist progressive or you're moderate woke um, idiot or whatever. Right. They (laughs) they peppered them with the different messaging that tends to come out of those groups and. If you wouldn't know, Nando, when you leave all of the weighty, annoying wokeness out of your populist messaging, it happens to be the message that resonates most effectively with working class voters. Yeah, 
Yeah. And, you know, it, and there's probably, I mean, they didn't do this in the study, but it's, there's probably evidence to suggest that if you leave that messaging out, um, the woke messaging out, you'll do worse with educated voters. Like that's probably true sure. as well. Um, and you know, the, it's, it's, I think this kind of thing is important and, and I'm looking forward to them doing more studies kind of like this in the future, because we've talked about it a lot here that if you care about progressive change, like if you want a better healthcare system or any redistribution of wealth um, in this country and power, or you want, I don't know, uh, something like a Green New Deal or anything like that, that we would support or like a pro act to, to support labor unions, whatever it is, you will not do it without working class voters being part of like exactly. being the, the source of the, uh, the, the strength of the coalition. Right. If you're just doing affluent suburban voters, they're never going to it's never going to happen. It's never happened in the history of mankind. You know, it's, it didn't happen during the New Deal. It didn't happen during the civil rights era. It didn't happen when the welfare states were built in Europe. It hasn't happened when, you know, reforms were done in Latin America. Like any of that shit it has to come from the working class because the working class is the only um, class that has the self-interest in doing that. And politics eventually, eventually does flow uh, from self-interest in terms of like when push comes to shove, what people support is ultimately just what's in their best interest. So um, if you have affluent <laughs> people who have, you know, who own a home, for example, um, they're going to support a politics that protects the val asset value of their home. You know, even if they might espouse like, you know, Black Lives Matter or like oh, immigrants God, welcome here. Yeah. Yeah. They when push comes to shove, they're going to protect the asset value of their home. And like that's they'll what they put, care about. They'll put the yard signs up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They'll they'll put a rainbow flag on their front yard for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, everybody's a human. We're all people for sure. They'll put that signage up as to signal to, you know, people to make them feel warm and fuzzy inside. But we know what they're gonna support. We know what they're gonna do when they go to their community council meetings. We know exactly how these people fucking behave. Like, yeah. you know, I was listening to the podcast series Nice White Parents. Um, oh, yeah. And basically, they were like, yo, where you see the most segregated school districts or where? The Upper West Side, Park Slope yeah, area, Brooklyn, yeah. liberal enclaves, straight up, yeah. the liberals, they're the only ones who live there, they're the ones governing the place, liberals control the entire situation, and where you see the biggest outcomes in wage inequality, uh, freaking housing disparity, uh, school disparity. It's all liberal enclaves. It never fails. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but I do want to go because the study does sort of distill some of their foundings. And here are some of the, just a couple of the takeaways here that they put in bold print. They were so nicely to do for us over at Jacobin yeah. Mac. And again, and the reason why this is important, Nando, because these are hunches that we already have, right? Like I can say empirically, yeah. Right. Um, give you an example of two of my friends, uh, two white boys who I love dearly. Um, I can say like, like these guys are basically like brothers to me. Right. One of them definitely a little bit more artsy, fartsy, liberal, yeah. straight up. And I don't think he's like fronting. Like this dude walks the walk and talks and talk. Like this dude would literally put his kid in the, you know, the fucked up school in Brooklyn with the bad kids. Like he would yeah. actually do this shit. Right. Yeah. Um, and another one of my homies who is a union guy. Um, and so he kind of he 
instinctively understands the politics of you know normal blue collar guys like this dude is in the electricians union however he's just not gonna go for the liberal messaging right no and so you know i i went back home and i was hanging out with one of them and he was like yo man you know such and such he moved to the burbs and became a right winger and I was like, no way did he become a right winger. And then I go talk, and he's he's referring to our union, homie. And then I'm and then I see him. I'm like, yo, what's this shit I hear about you a right winger now? Like you moved to Long Island, you switched sides. He's like, I know exactly who told you that. And I was just trolling him. You know, he's an ultra lib and he's doing all of this shit. I was just trolling him. And what he said was like, look, like. Obviously, I'm not a right winger, but the Dems, all they seem to care about is making sure my kid goes to school with the dress on and panties on and things of that nature. They don't give a fuck about my union guys. They don't give a fuck about working class people. All they care about is this sort of ancillary shit. And I say that as an example of just like... <laughs> People don't want to hear this shit. No. And, 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 and specifically in the muscular way that Dems do it, in the, the muscular way that they their rhetoric is around some of these fringe issues. And I get that if you're a trans person, trans rights and trans people not getting fucked up and abused and all of that shit is not a fringe yeah. issue. I understand that. However, um, the verve with which... Uh, liberal rhetoric is surrounding those types of issues just does not exist around these bread and butter issues because we know who Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom, just to name a couple of liberal Democrats, where their bread is actually buttered. We know what yeah. they're going to pay lip service to and what they would never speak truth to the boss class, right? And so that's where we often talk about this disconnect. And I think what the study shows is it's not just, it's not that, you have to abandon your principles when it pertains, as it pertains to race. You can just be like, yo, you know, man, if a cop severely fucks up, meaning he shows up to a scene, a seven-year-old is shooting, is has a BB gun in his hand, not a seven, a 12-year-old, and he shoots that 12-year-old down within like 10 seconds of showing up, that cop fucked up and probably needs to be punished for it. Um, when Hillary Clinton does Mothers of the Movement at the Democratic Convention <laughs> and she trots out all these black moms of kids who got popped, everybody can see through that. Like, that's bullshit, bro. Yeah, That's just bullshit. And so that's what I think the study is sort of speaking to. Yeah. No, and I think, uh, you know, uh, on around issues of race, you know, there was this really weird thing that was like popular to say in 2016 and 2017 in response to Bernie Sanders' kind of universalist messaging around a lot of these issues. Like, I mean, Bernie blind. Sanders. Yeah. Um, and and that they, there was this like kind of instinct or, or this attack line on Bernie Sanders that racial problems deserve racial solutions. You know, so like but the <laughs> racial wealth gap, for example, requires a race specific solution, like, say, reparations, whereas like the argument that the universalist left, like a Bernie left would say, is like, if you have like, if you raise the wages, like if you if you live like make like a minimum standard of wages for everyone, it will automatically be race based because there is an existing racial wealth gap. So like if you just close that gap yeah. by like lifting the floor it's for everyone. Math. Yeah, it's simple math. And plus it just is politically more more sustainable because there's just you got to appeal to the the largest group of people 
possible, you know, the most possible people. So like the more people you include in that messaging, the better. Whereas if you're doing like a like if you're doing a messaging directly around, say, black people, which are 13 percent of the population, you know, then you're I mean, it's like you'll get a few people from the other 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 races. And, but like it's not going to like they're not going to care about it that much because it's just not the, in their the self-interest. The problem with that reading that you just mentioned, race problems need race solutions, is that it treats race as this thing that exists on its own yeah. instead of the function of race, which is to reinforce the class structure. You can just it, it doesn't it exists as a tool to serve this greater good for the bosses and our overseers. Right. Like the point of, you know, basically telling the white overseers and the poor uh, white farmers like, yo, you're better than the blacks in the society. And that's all that should ever manage matter to you is so that it obscures the view of the white uh, poor people of that. Like, yo, like the fucking, the slave owners are hoarding all of the material goods produced by this damn work. They're hoarding yeah. all of it. And instead of sharing a nice portion of it with me, they tell me to be happy that I'm better than these black people. And on it, on it goes. Like it's only, a, it only serves as a function to re reinforce the existing class structure. And if you ignore that in every single sense, right? Like, of like, of course, they want poor people in the South to care about segregation and the schools and all of that because it's tied to a material good. It's yeah. like, yo, we don't want them. We want them to be thinking about that good of being yeah. better than black people, not closing the gap between the people that make the rules and hoard the resources. No, they need to concentrate on the people at the very bottom. That's who they yeah. need to constantly be thinking about. And that's the tool that it's used for. So this idea that we're going to turn people's hearts into gold as the solution to solve a problem that's fundamentally about material goods and class is ridiculous. <laughs> well, then you, you also get into like really weird shit about like, like who qualifies, you know, like what if you're right. half or what if like what if like, you know, one of your grandparents is black and then the other one is half black and then the other two are white you know yes. like like you're and getting into like a weird way, thing and i'm not saying because i know there's going to be some black americans who watch this and be like fuck that they promised us this we built the country on our back listen y'all want to hash that out that's cool um that will never be the salvation of black people like a one-time check to the descendants of black slaves and then poof we've figured out the the problem with the wealth inequality um and just the general inequality that exists in this country for black people and a bunch of other people i don't know and you know some people full disclosure i'm the descendant of haitian immigrants i would not be entitled to reparations white people no just know that yeah. it's not for all of us a lot yeah. of us would be cut out of that and i would be completely fine with that i'd love to see some homies get some paper in their pockets but that can't possibly be the answer right like the, the answer yeah. has to be redistributive um on a grand scale yeah no yeah and it's um so it's interesting what what this study did so what they did uh, usually polling is like 
you know, here's an issue. Do you like, where do you stand on it? Do you support it or, or are you against it? What they did is created a series of like fictitious candidates and played them against each other. Right. Um, you know, both. And they, and they created the candidates based off their party identification. Like this is a, you know, independent running as a Democrat or like a Democrat or a Republican or whatever. Um, then they said like, this was their, this was their race. This was their gender and this was their job. Okay. You mm -hmm. know, like, um, he's a fortune 500 CEO who's Asian or, you know, she's a teacher who's black or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then they, then they created messaging around like their, their top issues, like what they wanted to focus on their day one agenda and then messaging, uh, around those top issues. And the messages broke down between, uh, five categories. There was the progressive <laughs> populist messaging, which is kind of like the Bernie Sanders, there's the woke progressive, which is kind of like an AOC. Mm -hmm. There's the woke moderate, which is kind of like a Joanne Reed. Oh, there's God. the main, yeah. Yuck. There's the the that's mainstream. That's the worst kind. That's the worst of that's, all worlds, by no, the way. That's the worst. That's the worst kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> there's the mainstream moderate, which is like a Joe Biden, like what he ran mm -hmm. his campaign on. Mm -hmm. And then there's a Republican messaging, just like a straight up like right wing messaging. And it was interesting to see uh, which type of messaging uh, polled highest amongst working class people. Number one was progressive populist. Number two was Republican. Okay. <laughs> Number three was mainstream moderate, then woke progressive, then woke moderate. Um, and like, was I just want to read you some of these, uh, like uh, an, an example of one of these sound bites. Okay. So like, this is an example of progressive populist messaging. Okay. Quote, this country belongs to all of us, not just the super rich, but for years, politicians in Washington have turned their backs on people who work for a living. We need tough leaders who won't give in to the millionaires and the lobbyists, but will fight for good jobs, good wages, and guaranteed health care for every American. That's the, that's the most popular type of messaging. And then, <laughs> but the second most popular is Republican. And this is what the Republican messaging was. What makes America great is the freedom of the American people. But today, our freedom is under threat from radical socialists, arrogant liberals, and dangerous foreign influences. We need strong leaders in Washington to protect conservative values and defend the Constitution against those who want to destroy the greatest country in the world. That's the second most type of, of pop, popular type of messaging. Then, but I want to give you an example of like the woke progressive one, just to 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 differentiate mm -hmm. it from the populist progressive one. This is like what AOC would would represent, right? This is like what she would say. The people closest to pain should be the people closest to power. In Washington, the wealthy and the privileged make the rules. But if you're poor or an immigrant or a person of color in America, then you know how hard it is to just survive in this country. We need courageous leaders who will protect the most vulnerable, fight for justice, and make transformative change. You know, that sounds familiar. I, You've seen that. Yeah, and you know what's not going to resonate with people? The, the sort of victim the victim blah 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 yeah. like they, yeah because they, they're gonna think automatically <laughs> they, they're not one of them they're not one of those victims they, no and of because they're gonna know instinctually because of like once you put the immigrants and this and that like the people who do feel victimized by blacks and Mexicans and gays. Once you put that in there, they know you're not talking to them no more. Yeah. They are automatically know they're like, okay, this is not me. I am being yeah. victimized. 
but it's by those crazy liberals, the gays who want to turn my kids gay, the blacks and their big noses sniffing up all the air and their cool dance moves. And like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's who's that's who's making my life miserable. Like it's yeah. it's obvious who who those people otherwise yeah. if they're if the messaging isn't like bro we know who this shit is working for those goddamn fat cats your boss at your job who yeah. acts like it's the end of the world because you was two minutes late but you yeah. you haven't gotten a raise in two years you know yeah. like we know who the problem is <laughs> yeah. you know but yeah like look god bless aoc you know um God knows we've been pretty hard on her the last few months or so, but the more she digs deep into this psychobabble, uh, yeah, my imposter syndrome kicked in, and yeah. like, bro, nobody yeah. want to hear that shit. Yeah, <laughs> nobody <laughs> wants to hear about imposter. Well, no, syndrome. other 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 educated kind of you know, urban college educated people do want to hear it, you know, but the, the sure. but working class people don't, you know, like I su right. I suppose if you pulled that in Brooklyn amongst people who hang out at, you know, uh, bougie coffee shops and whatever, uh, right. then that messaging would, oh, good. would probably Plays be pretty popular. Great. Right. Yeah. But not, not with working class people. Um, I want to read the woke moderate because that's the Joanne hmm. Reed or like the D, the D Ray Mackison, uh, oh, kind yeah. of messaging. Oh, yeah. Okay. Our unity is our strength and our diversity is our power. <laughs> but for too long, special interests have blocked critical progress in addressing systemic racism, climate change, and access to affordable health care. We need creative leaders who will fight for our values, listen to the experts, and make real change happen. Uh, yeah, that's the, least, oh, that's the least popular type. And then there's the mainstream moderate, which is like the Joe Biden, right? right. Um, America and probably Obama, to be honest. Uh, America is better than this. We have to stop demonizing each other based on which party we support, how much money we make, or the color of our skin. It's time hmm. to heal. We need common sense leaders who will stick up for working people, listen to the experts, reach across the aisles, and get things done. Yeah, that's no. that's the that's the classic. That's the classic Democrat. Don't promise a yeah. single fucking thing to anybody. Um, yeah. And just, I bet you I'll make you feel good like a glass of milk. Yeah. Uh, and again, want to just take away some of the, some just read some of the takeaways from this. Yeah, yeah. Great, great study. Uh, working class voters prefer progressive candidates who focus primarily on bread and butter economic issues and who frame those issues in universal terms. This is especially true outside of deep blue parts of the country. Okay, and by bread and butter, we're talking about jobs, healthcare, the economy, presented in plain spoken terms, not using shit like imposter syndrome and structural <laughs> or racism or, yeah, people or the term of people color, of color, yeah. BIPOC, and all yeah. of this crap. Just give it to them in a universalist. Everybody needs this shit. No matter yeah. who you are, you need a good job, you need health care, and, you know, we need the economy to work for everybody. That's everybody needs it. Yeah, It's obvious. You understand? Yeah. And again, like, the people who don't actually need it because their lives are so fucking cushy, all right, cool, let them be right-wingers. But, like, they're, they're not representative of the greater American population. Straight yeah. up, they're in the minority, man. And so to kowtow to all these damn... 
cone heads, pointy heads from these damn universities is just ridiculous. The world is racing to get back to normal and start meeting up in person again. But after the year we've all had, getting back to feeling normal takes time. I don't know about you guys. I've been feeling overwhelmed, flustered, just avalanche, stuck under this avalanche of things I have to do and people I have to see and people I've got to talk to, Zoom meetings and emails. Hell, even this ad that I'm recording right now, I forgot that I had to do it. I'm doing it from a computer that's not even mine. It's really tough to do all of this when you feel like you're trying to handle it all by yourself. Do you feel like that? If you're feeling overwhelmed by it all, guess what? You're not alone. It's important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. We all talk to our friends when we're experiencing issues, but they don't always give us the advice we need. I mean, think about it. They can't really give us unbiased feedback because they're involved in many of our interactions and how we are. What you really need is advice from a licensed professional. It can be refreshing and rewarding. When you're a low point, when you're in a low point, you might feel alone. But over 50% of Americans struggle with their mental health. We all need help sometimes, and asking for support when you need it is actually a sign of strength. Here's the idea. Use Talkspace. It's great. It's easy to use. It matches you with a licensed therapist and schedule live video sessions all from the comfort of your device. You can start messaging your therapist the same day you sign up. The app makes it easy to connect with the therapist that is licensed and on your schedule without having to wait weeks before your next appointment. You can go anywhere and take your therapist with you. Whether you're a parent, student, millennial, or just someone having a hard day, Talkspace can provide the support to help you feel better with a single message. Talkspace offers individual and couples therapy in addition to medication prescription services. Set goals with your therapist, and they can help make sure you're really progressing. Talkspace therapists help you develop the tools to cope in difficult times. It works around your schedule at your convenience. Send and receive unlimited message with send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the app. Schedule live video sessions with your licensed therapist from anywhere. Whether you're experiencing depression, anxiety, or other problems, Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform to help you sort through any issue. We've got thousands of licensed therapists available for you to match with. And they're experts in dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and more to help you start feeling better. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code BOMB. That's $100 off when you use the code BOM at Talkspace.com. Another takeaway, populist, class-based, progressive campaign messaging appeals to working-class voters at least as well as mainstream Democratic messaging, right? Which, again, like, it's not like Joe Biden's message sounds any better to the ears of the lion's share of Democratic Party uh, voters. He just happens to be a bigger celebrity of course, you know, the, the Pope of the Democratic Party circled the wagon for his old ass and he got it through. Uh, uh, but it's not like his message is that much more resonant with anyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and it's uh, it was also interesting to me to see which occupations were popular for candidates. You know, like they they broke it down into uh, different. Uh, they they broke it down. The, the politician could either be a teacher, a construction worker, a small business owner, CEO of Fortune 500 company, lawyer, or veteran. Okay, do you know which one of those was the most popular uh, profession for a candidate amongst working class people? I would say teacher or veteran. Those would be my guesses. Small business owner. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. That's uh what you would call it, antithetical. That 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 yeah. that seems like that would or maybe you you never know. A lot of people, uh, working class homies fancy themselves as future yeah. small business owners. So that might be yeah, yeah. it. Like I'm gonna save some shit, start my business, whatever. Yeah. Um, I hear that. Uh another yeah. one. Yeah, that's what that Another thing, working class voters prefer working class candidates. Um, yeah. Not that small business owners, like it's so small business owners are in that weird in between gray area, right? Like they might employ four people or three people, but they're not yeah. really like capitalists. <laughs> yeah. No. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like they're at the whims of you know, the uber capitalist, just like the rest of us, really. Yeah. Yes, they're exploiting the labor of like four people in some way, but they're not like in the actual capitalist class. So they're like a tweener sort of. Well, and they're, they're also just like so mythologized in the American propaganda. Model oh, it's disgusting. That like there's definitely a, you know, holdover effect from that. There's just an effect, you know, that that's going to that's going to, you know, resonate with certain people. Um, but yeah, like this is another, another uh, uh, result was uh, working class voters will not punish candidates for advocating for civil rights. But when Democrats frame this struggle in a way that overshadows their commitment to delivering bread and butter goods, and when they adopt an activist inspired identity based rhetoric, they are likely to lose working class votes. Our survey turned up some very large gaps on this front. A populist candidate with a central focus on the economy earned 63% support, for example, while moderates and woke progressives with a focus on immigration or racial justice won under 50%. <laughs> Racial justice is economic justice, y'all. Never yeah. fucking forget that. Uh, yeah. yeah, some of my other favorite takeaways. Another, This is another one of my favorite takeaways because Democrats love this one. Working class non-voters are not automatic progressives, meaning there's always this idea if we just turn out, if there's turnout, right. all the people that turn up are going to be these you know, people that want to vote progressive automatically. And that just hasn't been the case. Record fucking turnout for the last um, federal election, presidential election. Joe Biden won that thing by his damn whiskers. Okay. Yeah. He barely won that thing. Record breaking turnout. So yeah. get that shit up out of here. In Virginia, just now, record turnout, or like it's at most the highest turnout election in like 25 years in Virginia on an off off year, and mm -hmm. uh, the Republican won. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so all of that. Democrats. Yeah, we just gotta, we just gotta find new voters because all these new voters that we find, they gonna most likely want to roll with the Joy Ann Reed messaging. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. On what planet people who are dis so these people are disengaged from politics are going to be engaged by woke liberalism? No. By corporate wokeness? 
People who don't pay attention to politics and don't even want to vote are going to be animated by the shit that comes out of college campuses? How does that make sense to anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Like, did you see that news story I sent you uh, earlier in the week of like that the the Navy or some shit? It's like inaugurating like a new aircraft carrier or some shit with like the first right. transgender officer in the military right. or some shit. And it's like a whole Warships. thing that they're all excited Warships. about. Warships. Yeah. Yeah. Warships um, that kill people but, yeah. are honoring <laughs> trans people. Warships. Yeah. This is where yeah. we're at liberalism. Yeah. Um, the uh, oh yeah, they named the ship after Harvey Milk, the gay activist. I mean, okay, sorry, it's <laughs> not sure, honoring sure trans would... people. Shouts to no, trans no, no, people, the, but no, but it was inaugurated by a trans uh, veteran. Oh, you know, got like you, the got you, got you. All was like, yo, this is how we do it, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, uh, one of the things that I love about this study is because one of the things that frustrates me the most about the way political journalism is done in this country is that they see the, the the spectrum of left to right in America in a very kind of rigid way in that there's like left voters, there's, you know, moderate voters in the center, and then there's right wing voters, okay? Conservative voters. <laughs> and the vast majority of working class people like don't fit neatly into one of those categories. They just don't, vast majority of people, really, vast majority of people yeah. don't fit neatly into those, cate uh, those categories, but it's, it's especially true of working class voters that don't pay attention to politics as if it were a sporting event, you know, that like, you know, we love like people who like love like politics. And, like, we're we're like those sporting event people. Yeah. You, we understand like the teams, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and like, we can tell like what the issue, like what, what an issue, which side each party would fall on it, you know, like just without even asking anyone, like they could tell us like, oh, if this thing happened, this is how the Democrats are going to react, this is how the Republicans are going to react, whatever. The vast majority of working class people hold often contradictory views, often very extreme views, but not, <laughs> they don't fit neatly into a partisan uh, bucket. So like, you know, the, the study puts the example of like Catholic voters who might have very progressive views on economics, right? But then they also might have, uh, they, might, they might be anti-abortion, anti right? They might yep. be pro-life. Which in the American political uh, journalist's mind would mean that they're right wingers, you know, but is that really true? You know what I mean? No, like, is that really true? Not. Or like, you know, a uh, a union guy from, you know, uh, from Detroit or whatever, who's a United Auto Workers uh, union member might want to, you know, might want like the PRO Act to pass and might want, uh, you know, Medicare for all um, transformational things for the American economy. Um, but also might want to like say like, no, we should just like shoot every immigrant in the head, you know, right. like on site. You know what I mean? Right. Like that, that might be true. You know what I mean? And what is that person? You know, it's a mixed bag. You know what I mean? Right. And that's what that person is. It's a mixed bag. It's not one or the other. And, and by the way, again, about 63% of workers are not white collar workers like Nando and myself, uh, yeah. which means, and, and so, and again, it's a vast amount of people spread out all over the freaking country, meaning different regional cultural proclivities like that make up this group. It's not the same as say, oh, I don't know, Stanford, Harvard, NYU, USC, Berkeley, where all of the people who work in the fucking um, corporate media come from, all of the people who make our culture in Hollywood come from. All, like that's a, that's a actually small, concentrated, very easy to identify where those motherfuckers gonna go on a myriad of issues. 
like yeah. um like, like on like like you could run down like a thousand issues you can already guess where somebody out of those specific places is gonna come down on right whereas like you can't apply that level of precision to non-white collar workers all over the fucking country whether it be texas to staten island like these people are in different places you can't put yeah. them in in the same box but yeah man yeah i have a pretty good idea about you know the people that are from harvard yale dartmouth and the like like yeah we kind of know what their bag is fam yeah no totally and, and sorry daniel and bestner <laughs> I always make fun of him because I say he went to a lesser Ivy. You know, he went to he went to the one of the light lighter Ivy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went to Ivy Light. He didn't go to Ivy Light. He didn't go to Harvard. The for diet CEO, Ivy. The true, Zero the calorie I mean, Ivy. That's why we can be friends with him because if he went to Harvard, Princeton, or Yale, he'd be like a total psychopath that he'd be working for Raytheon. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, um, I, I, I want to read this little paragraph from uh, Matt Carp and Dustin Guestella, who, who participated in this uh, study, uh, wrote in The Guardian. Um, they wrote, last week's elections, which we covered on this show, offered one demonstration of what happens when workers' issues are ignored. In Virginia, Democratic ex-governor Terry McAuliffe was lured into a culture war with Republican Glenn Youngkin, with Toni Morrison's novel Beloved claiming headlines in the campaign's final weeks. I mean, think about how weird that is. As economics as economic issues disappeared from view, McAuliffe, a pragmatic woke moderate with no ability to reframe the debate, found himself swamped by working class defections. Where Biden had won Virginia voters without college degrees by seven points, McAuliffe lost them by 20 points. Jesus. A 27-point swing in one year. <laughs> That's crazy. That's just crazy. You know, and it shows that like Biden uh, isn't like our cup of tea, but Biden speaks doesn't get trapped into like the woke. He, Biden's the least woke guy in the universe, right? Like he, he doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't, doesn't do it. He just yeah. doesn't do he it. Doesn't he's do like it. Cuomo. I'm not. A, I'm not a groper. I'm Italian. That's Joe yeah, Biden. He's, like, he's just no, but, but but Cuomo went woke. Remember, like the Cuomo, yes, like the I am a I am a black immigrant. I am a Jew. I am a homosexual. Like, I am a transgender. Yeah. Yo, daddy. Yeah. Yo, daddy was one of the biggest big shots in the Democratic Party. Like, you got to be fucking shitting me, bro. Like, you were yeah. squarely at the seat of power. Yeah. They once wanted that dude's dad to run for president, for God's oh, yeah. sake. Like, that's how powerful Mario Cuomo was in the Democratic Party. And for this guy to pretend that he's some, like, you know, I had to get it, man. I had to get it out the mud. It's yeah. like ridiculous but anyway i would i would suggest that you guys check this study out it's some pretty interesting stuff and i know what we're doing here is very pat ourselves on the back but it's what we got to do when we have empirical data empirical studies you know backing up the claims that we make on this damn show every single day <laughs> yeah no it's uh it's i know that um jacobin who i work for full disclosure i i yeah, full disclosure with, I yeah, I do a I do a show with them uh, every every Friday. Um, I know that this was like a big deal for them. They put a lot of work into this. They put a lot of resources behind it. You know, these studies are not cheap. Um, yeah, they're extremely expensive. Extremely expensive. Um, so, and this is like the first of its kind. And hopefully, there'll be many more that they'll be able to produce a lot more information about. 
um, working class politics. Because like I said, if you care about anything, any progress, anything, this is the only route to do it is to get working class voters into your coalition. Um, the other ones, they're unreliable. Look at the look at this last election. The suburban voters, they don't they don't give a shit about you. You know, they don't give a shit about you. They don't. <laughs> they're psychopaths, all suburban people. I'm sorry, I don't mean to generalize, but a lot of them are. Um, <laughs> but also, listen, um, Democratic Party consultants, beware. Be on the lookout. Yeah. That little gravy train, that, that scam that y'all got running, that shit might not last long. Hopefully. Yeah. If there is a yeah. God up above. <laughs> um, anyway, that's our show for today as I invoke the almighty Allah, Yahweh, God the Father, before we get up out of here. Make sure you become a Patreon at patreon.com backslash count the dings. Of course, check out all of our other count the dings offerings. Pack your knives. Uh, Cinephobe with me and Zach. Of course, the Friday mailbag, the OG bomb show. Check out all of that stuff. Nando is reviewing Succession for us, which is a big fucking deal. Loving that um, recap with him and Jason. Uh, check out all of that stuff. We'll see you guys next week. We're out of here. Peace. Later.